0: Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. My name's Jesse Jones and on the show today we have Smooth Ambler, baby! That's right, my buddy John Little comes on the show. We find out that we've known each other for 25 years even though we just met on the program that you're about to listen to. It's one of those scenarios where like, we went to the same college, we knew a lot of the same people, we were probably at the same party, didn't even know it, and here we are drinking whiskey together. 25 years later it was wild man and just to paint a picture for you guys picture this picture this close your eyes close your eyes picture this it's first thing in the morning And what are him and I doing? We're popping tops and drinking whiskey. It's a great way to start your day. Our palates were pure and fresh as the driven snow, and we're just rocking these ryes, man. He sends me all of these delicious ryes, and we go through them one by one, talking about the differences, talking about the thought process, talking about what it takes to make expressions consistent, yet stand apart. And then what do we do after we talk about them? We drink them! That's right, him and I just going through these rides like nothing and they were all spectacular it's one of those if you see smooth ambler on the shelf man these guys are producing some amazing liquid so do yourself a favor listen to this episode pour yourself some smooth ambler while you listen just let worlds collide go get a bottle put this on play and sip it while you listen you can go on this whiskey adventure with us why not it's a fun episode and i think you guys are really going to enjoy it and you know what else you're really going to enjoy? Our sponsors. You like that? You like that seamless transition there? Our sponsors for this week's episode at Engraved.com. That's engrv Customized experiences and gifts from personalized one-of-a-kind gifts to unique, customized corporate promotional items. Engraved has what you need. I met the guys from Engraved when I was needing some new Glyn Cairn glasses with the Bourbon Showdown logo on them and wow if they didn't just create for me some of the best glens I've ever had and guess what just for being a listener of the bourbon showdown they are going to give you 10% off your next order what was that 10% off your next order anything you want 10% off can't say it enough just use the promo code Jesse Jones or bourbon showdown at checkout and get 10% off your order it's that easy and you know what else it's free shipping all day every day so you go to engrave.com for all your custom engraving needs you'll be happy that you did and without further ado let's get this show started I would ask that you guys go hit like and subscribe on Apple Podcast on Spotify on all of the things you can find me as well go to Jesse Jones online I'm back on the road people come see me at a show come see a comedy show you can go there and find out when I'm going to be in your town maybe afterwards we'll have a pour and share a laugh it'll be a good time but for right now we're talking whiskey we're talking smooth ambler we're talking john little it's this week's episode of the bourbon showdown podcast my name's jesse jones let's start the show Well, that's also why I don't think whiskey is a trend in terms of the public's uh, fascination. Like vodka went up and vodka went down and gin came in and gin went out. Uh, but I think that what you just said is the, uh, the romantic side of the spirit, because there is that you don't know what's going to happen aspect to it.
1: Yeah, and, and certainly, right. Um, I describe it very rudimentary because it's not exactly like this, but you know what, what's great about great about whiskey is that if you, know, if you put blueberries in vodka, then at some point in time you have blueberry flavored vodka or vodka flavored blueberries, right? Right. Right. When you put whiskey in a barrel, it's something different than it was a year ago, right? It is chemically changing. Yeah. It is becoming a different spirit, right? Through this, uh, through this esterification process. Right. So I think what's exciting, you know, what it is now and what it is, you know, is two years from now or three years from now or four years from now, those flavors continue to develop and evolve. Um, and of course, we see that in certain products over other products. We, we see the gap much different in, say, a weeded bourbon at four years old and a weeded bourbon at like eight or nine years old than maybe even some other products. But yeah, it's, it's different. So it's great. You can taste the same exact mash bill at, say, four years old or five years old and taste it at 10 years old and they taste, they taste really you know, significantly different.
0: It so it's great. It's almost like a glacier falling into the ocean. It's it's like over a period of time a little bit comes off, then a little bit more comes off and then eventually it's just all yeah. in there.
1: That's a great that's a great analogy. That's right. Uh,
0: and, and uh, on that note, we've got John Little on the show today. The uh, the 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 founder of Smooth Ambler, the master blender of Smooth Ambler and I believe the master distiller of Smooth Ambler. All all of those hats are yours, is that right?
1: Well, I just passed down my, I just passed down the, uh, the, the blender, the head blender. I'm the founder. And now I call myself a whiskey maker. The, the head distiller title was just passed down to a guy named Travis Hammond, who's been our operations manager for a couple of years. But, um, and then the the blenders, we have, uh, Andy Robinson runs the bottling and blending and we have some really talented guys and a guy named Stu Schwab. So we got a really, really talented team and I've handed off some of those responsibilities now so I can focus on going and selling more whiskey
0: that's awesome and 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 to think just you're right over the 10-year mark like smooth ambler was founded in 2009 and and at that point you were probably a one-man show or or how how did it get started for you
1: (laughs) yeah it felt like a one-man show for a long time uh yeah you know my my father-in-law actually had the idea in 2008 we we were looking yeah, in 2008, it was um, he had the idea, and he he wanted to make something in West Virginia, right? West Virginia gets a bad rap. Right. Uh, he, he wanted to. We, we think we have really wonderful people here. We've got a really great place to live, and of course, there's lots of room, lots of space here. Good, good clean roads. water, good yeah, country roads, good clean water, good clean air, uh, and and what's great about it is that you know we're close to we're close to a lot of metro area, right? We're an eight hour drive. It's kind of the FedEx, UPS thing, right? We're like an eight hour drive to whatever it is, 60% of the population on the East coast. And, and so we just felt like we could make something here and, and, um, and, and, and deliver it to the world. And we wanted people to be proud of what was made in West Virginia. And we kind of fell into the distilling business. My father-in-law saw an article in time magazine. They talked about it and uh, we just, you know, we, we did everything that we could do. We researched everything. We went to workshops at Michigan State. We went and worked in a friend's distillery. We we did everything that we can. We read, I read the TTB laws and I highlighted those things when I didn't even know what the words meant and said, oh, this looks important. And uh, <laughs> shit, man, two years later we opened up the doors
0: to do distillery. That's wild. And not only that you did it, but that your father-in-law, it was his recommendation. My father-in-law is always telling me drink less. Your father-in-law was like, ah, you're not drinking enough. We need to build a building.
1: That's right. That's right. Make, we need to make it. We need to make our own whiskey here. It's funny when he, when he wrote the, when he, um, When he saw the Time Magazine article, he wrote a little smart-ass comment in the upper right-hand corner, and it said, we can do this in your garage. We call it like Appalachian Shine or Appalachian Hooch or something, right? Uh, And so the the joke now is that we didn't have a $2 million garage, so we went and built one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, coming from North Carolina, and our our paths
0: cross – we didn't know it but our paths have crossed previously with where we went to school north carolina has a very storied uh uh, moonshine history uh uh, west i imagine west virginia has the same i don't i don't know what is west virginia's uh tie to the spirits world
1: absolutely there's a long history of folks making shine here and when we you know we we the joke is well you know the when, when my father-in-law wrote that little smart-ass comment in the upper right-hand corner, the reality of it is, is that we never really intended to make moonshine or anything like that, right? Because we were trying to make this really high-end product and to be a, a symbol for, uh, you know, quality in West Virginia and to make the best product we can make in West Virginia. But there's a long history of people making moonshine in West Virginia. In fact, when we first started, people would regularly bring us moonshine to the distillery and be like, hey, you want to taste this? You want to taste this? Or they'd bring it to us and say, hey, what's the proof on this? What's the proof on this product? And I would, and I would just be like, hey, Hey man, you got to get that shit out of here. Like yeah, you, can't yeah. have, you can't bring illegal, illegal alcohol into this distillery that, we're, that we've invested our lives into. Right. Well, but it, it was, it was always great.
0: And not only that, if you, if somebody brings you shine, a, you don't know them, you don't drink it. And B, if they're coming to you with them, not even knowing what the proof
1: is, you definitely don't ingest that. <laughs> we have a friend of ours, uh, that makes, um, Um, that makes, uh, uh, we used to do a whiskey called um, white whiskey or just unaged bourbon, right? Right. Um like like a legal hooch, right? It was it's legal, legal moonshine, but it was just the white whiskey. We just did a little bit of that stuff for the gift shop and mostly in West Virginia, right? It wasn't a big part of our business. But we have a friend of ours that makes this, you know, this apple pie moonshine. And of course he doesn't want to get busted. So he used he would buy our stuff at retail and then take it back to his house and then just mix all of the you know the cinnamon and brown sugar and right all the apples and put all that stuff in there. And so it was really cool. And then he'd hand it out to friends at games, and so he he didn't want to get in trouble for for running the illegal illegal moonshine and handing this stuff out all over the place right well i guess well, me, illegal moonshine is a i guess that's a um i guess that means the same thing it didn't moonshine <laughs> by definition illegal <laughs> right right uh, it,
0: by 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 history by definition by legal by every uh, sense of the word yeah uh, <laughs> man you growing up in west virginia i know you've uh, experienced this as well when when you get that right blend of moonshine like my uh my father taught me how to blend a uh, blackberry moonshine which is just out of this freaking world but you got to be careful with it because a thimbleful does what 3 or 4 pours of uh whiskey'll do for you
1: you never know where that I've had some moonshine that tastes like uh, it tastes absolutely delicious. And I've had some that tastes like gasoline. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. It, it all goes back to know who you got it from. And if if, if, if you don't, don't don't drink it. Yeah. Uh, I recently found out that my family actually has uh, a, a history of moonshiners. And, you know, I had no idea. We every family, I think they have like a, this is the side we talk about. This is the side we don't talk about. And they've always talked about the side that did, you know, we've got lawyers in the family, we've got doctors in the family, and they've they've never really talked about the uh, depression era shiners that we had. Uh, But my uncle was telling me over Christmas all of these awesome stories where like, Outside the general store, there was an old well and in that old well held a wealth of moonshine and people would come by because you got to remember, it's like the depression. People would come by asking for a sip of water, wink, wink, and he would run that pail down and come up with a jar of moonshine and then, you know, he'd get a quarter for it or whatever it was back then. And I was just blown away because I'm not a young man and I've never heard any of these stories.
1: Yeah, it's always great when, you know, about pretty much anything. It's one of really wonderful when, when folks sit around and talk about, give you some history about your about your family, things that you never knew. Hell, that's the that's a great thing about sitting down and sharing a cocktail, right? Is a, to hear things you've never heard before, to share stories with folks that you've never heard. This, you know, these what we call we have a term for them that we've called. It seems like such marketing jargon, right? But um, we call it the casual meaningful hangout. <laughs> So you you don't you don't need you don't need to drink. I, look, I love to drink delicious whiskey and very expensive whiskey, but you know a forty dollar bottle of bourbon, um, that's, for, that's that's reason enough for a celebration Tuesday okay. night sitting down with friends having burgers. It doesn't always need to be fancy, right? You can have a really great you have a really great time. Uh, And some of the life's most meaningful moments are, you know, are celebrated just like that.
0: A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about this industry and this community as a whole is just the people that you meet. Uh, I've been on the road now for years and years and years and, and, Comedy scratches that itch a little bit because you get to meet people at every show you go to. But there is just something about sharing a pour with somebody where it kind of you leave all of your inhibitions at the door and you leave a lot of your uh, stuff you don't want to talk about at the door. And you just sit there and you drink and you just kind of come down with that person. And uh, you really get to know them in a way that you might not have in a, in a different setting.
1: I agree. You know, the, the friends that I've made in this business, we have a very let me back up, little, we have a very good customer base. You know, that's the I guess that's well, the right word for it. And those people have become have become very loyal to us. And now we, I don't even necessarily think of them as customers, right? These people are friends. Completely. These people who have, have eaten dinner at my house and I've eaten dinner at their house. I when I went to, when I went to, last time I went to Lexington, the last two times I've been to Lexington, Kentucky, I've stayed with people I met at Smooth Ambler, right? These are, we have this fan group uh, called the Smooth Dramblers, right? (laughs) Some folks started their own Facebook group years ago and we started catering to them, found out about them. Uh, We started to cater into that group and we've just made a lot of friends. So I've stayed at their houses, maybe the last three or four times I've been to Lexington, I've stayed at somebody's house that was a Drambler and uh, when I went to, you know, the last, maybe not the last time, but you know, a couple of years ago, I spent a week staying at a Drambler's house in, in New York. And I go see them when I'm in Dallas and in San Francisco. And yeah, what other business can you do that in where you are so tightly connected to these people over your love of whiskey? And, and there's a saying that there's a guy named Reed Bechtel. And he started this whiskey group called 1789B. And if you've ever heard of it, it's one of the legendary whiskey groups. They were picking barrels before most people even knew what a barrel pick was. Nice. And Reed Bechtel has become a friend of ours. And Reed says, whiskey is just the vessel that brings us together. There you go. And it's a line I've fallen in love with. And I think about that all the time. So we we try to think of whiskey like that.
0: That's perfectly put. And, and you're absolutely right, uh, because I can tell you for a fact, I would not spend the evening with anybody that comes to a comedy show. No offense to anybody that has ever offered me lodgings from a comedy show. But but with whiskey you get to go. You get to uh, hang out with people that, you know, with with comedy. You're going to spend the entire night with them going either be funny or I've got some awful story from my childhood to tell you. And you can have that. You can use that if you would like it. Amazing. Speaking of uh, of bringing people together, uh, today happened in a few different ways. Uh, you and I have a mutual friend uh, uh, in North Carolina, the background being, and we didn't know this when we started talking, because you and I have been talking now for quite a while, uh, you know, pandemic and scheduling and everything. I'm super happy that we were finally able to do this. Uh, but just right before, Me and you reconnected. Uh, Turns out that you went to UNC Charlotte. I went to UNC Charlotte. Our friend Scott Valentine, who just so happens to now own Lazy Day Liquors, he went to UNC Charlotte. And there was like this triangle of of I knew Scott and I knew you, but did not have it put together that you two may know one another. Of course, now in hindsight, I should have because of the Lazy Day but the connection goes back even further than that because you knew him at UNC Charlotte.
1: I, I did. I've known, I've known Greg and Scott and Tom, uh, for, man, I'm dating myself now. I guess that's 30 years, 90, 92, 93, 94, somewhere in there. So pretty close to 30 years. now. got it. I don't think of myself. I don't think of myself as that old, but yeah, I've, I've known them for a long time. Um, <laughs> You know, it, I, I, as we talked about earlier, it's one of the one of the wonderful things about the way the world works, and I, I love when these things happen. Right? We we we, you know, everybody sort of, sort of thinks that like they go their own way and do their own thing outside of, outside of you know college or after college, and of course, we all did. We did Facebook. As much as I have a love-hate relationship with social media, (laughs) I think everybody does. One of the great things is it brings people back together in this way, right? So Scott and I have been friends back on social media for a while, back on Facebook, you know, and I watch his family and he sees mine. And then, you know, after I think you loosely know his story, right? He was he had a fitness business He and his wife had a fitness business and then the pandemic just killed him and they pivoted and went into the liquor business. And uh, I'm sure he can tell it much more romantic than I do, but he went into the liquor business and uh, I think he opened up about you know 15, 16 months ago, something like that. And they've been wildly successful. And I think they're opening up their second location getting ready to open up their second location now. They are. You, you know, and and they've been, of course, they want to help their friends. So they've embraced smooth ambler really, really well. And they put it in a prominent location and talk about it. And I think they're now one of the, they're one of the top 20 accounts in the entire country for smooth ambler. And, uh, you you know, it's just those things to me, that's the reason, man, that's the reason life is so wonderful and so magical. Sometimes how in the world, 30 years after I met this guy, he's running a liquor store and selling, selling the hell out of smooth ambler. And, and he loves it and I love it. And he's, um, you know, it's not like, it's not like he's, he's just being good about it. He's just being a good guy and trying to do right. And I love it. And, and they I, we talked about it just to, right before we you know for the show really started. They did a barrel pick a year ago and I still haven't, we still haven't been able to put it in glass. Uh, and so, uh, they're, they're chopping at the bit to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're chopping at the bit to put it in the barrel. Uh, the, the supply chain issues have been really, really hard, but man, just, Absolutely magical! So excited for them, and I'm I'm glad to see their success. You know, I, I've always tried to be like that. I want to be happy for other people to be successful, and uh, and that it's it's really wonderful, wonderful to see those guys doing so well.
0: Well, in the serendipity of the whole things, uh, we were also touching on this a little bit. Just uh, you never know who's going to do what in your life, so just be be nice, be good, be a good person to everybody, because uh, it's going to boomerang. And the whiskey industry is so small, I think that. The, that's why the community is as tight-knit as it is, is because everybody kind of has one another's back. Yep. And uh, the UNC Charlotte connection, we were going to that school prior to, dating myself a little bit as well, prior to it becoming this whatever number they're at now. Like, I think they might be at like 55,000 now for that school. 50, 55,000. And when we were going there, it was like fifteen. To eighteen thousand, maybe eighteen thousand soaking wet. So that plays a part, I think, too, in that the relationships that I I have from that period in time. Uh, like I'm hanging out with Joey Bird later today, another person who's tied into the Scott Valentine history because he used to work with Joey at Joey's business subdued, and I'm going to go hang out with him later this afternoon. And it's it's same thing, twenty five years later, and we're still tight knit because I think we were you know, a smaller school and a smaller school builds maybe closer relationships because you're going through uh, the same amount of stuff together.
1: I I agree. And a lot of the people that I still talk to on a regular basis, the top, whatever, five people on my cell phone, not my, not my wife or my son or my daughters, (laughs) five people, five people I went to college with. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it certainly felt like we were, we were a tight group, uh, really, really good people. And, um,
0: and now he's yeah. got your back.
1: Now he's got my back. It's great.
0: That's awesome. And and so now there's so much that goes into getting a whiskey label off the ground. Uh, you have – your father-in-law has the idea. You read all of it. You do all of the legwork. You, you – what was – the next step in terms of actually launching like like you know you want to do it how did you even go about finding barrels because of course when you were getting started i'm sure you were um uh uh, collecting barrels while also uh, uh learning how to distill whiskey
1: no that's a here's the kind of crazy part of it the the our idea our business plan was to make vodka and gin and make whiskey whenever we had distilling space, right? Okay. So we we had no source. There's no sourced whiskey in our plan. I didn't even know what it was really. Um, and so we were really green in the business. And in hindsight, we had no business being in business, right? Because that's how much we knew. Now, I, again, I, I read everything I could read. I researched everything. I did everything that I could do to, to, to be as knowledgeable as I could when I started. I mean, every TTB document, every distilling manual. There's a lot more of those distilling manuals out now, but at the time there weren't as many, or at least they were hard to find. Um, and so we, we were just making a little bit of whiskey whenever we could. And um, yeah, the first step was getting, getting funded. And that was one of my great stories. My father-in-law is an architect and had done some houses for some folks that were, um, there's a home the private home community not far from us uh, called the Greenbrier Sporting Club, where some folks have some uh, resources. <laughs> and I found a lot to the house for a guy who was uh, a former Wall Street exec. And we put a business plan together after about a year. We had the idea to, hey, in eight, in early two thousand nine, we put the business plan together. And I sent it to this guy named Greg Parsigan and said, "Hey, look, I just we need we need some investment money." At the time, I really wasn't even looking for him to invest. I said, I just want you to see it because I know I've got to present this to friends and family. And I know that we have to follow some regulations, even if we're doing a friends and family kind of thing. I want you to take a look and tell me what I need to do. And he was like, yeah, sure. So we were looking for 50 people to put $20,000 a piece in and raise a million dollars in capital. And he called me up about two weeks later and said, hey, I I think uh, the business plan is really good. I think you're a fool to look for 50 investors. You should let me be all 50 wow and and 30 days later we had a company formed and we were fully funded that's that is insane complete angel investor and um he was our partner from that was yeah, that was. Uh, I think we formed the company in July of 2009. We broke like I think July 31st of 2009. We broke ground in the first of September, so about almost 30 days, and the 32, 33 days afterwards. And we opened our doors in March of 2010. And that Greg has wild. been our Greg has been our partner ever since then.
0: That uh, is absolutely insane, John.
1: He, he's a he's a brilliant guy. He uh, has made a really he made a great partner. We were, we were a great trio of the three partners. My father-in-law was really good in design, obviously in architecture and kind of understanding color scheme for the brand. Um, helped developing a lot of the way the building looked. And if you've been to our tasting room or seen it, it's beautiful. It's small, but it's very beautiful inside. Uh, I handled the basically the operation execution of the facility and then Greg was our finance expert and we had access to capital and we had access to a guy who was very very smart in the business and 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 who had seen lots of businesses start lots of them be successful and, and a few of them fail and and with that 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 trio was great what was also great about him is that he he kept his he kept his nose out of the business that he didn't know anything about. And we would, he would clearly say that and we would ask him a question. He'd go, Hey, that's not my expertise. You figure that out. Okay, great. I'll go figure this out. And so he was just, he was certainly wasn't hands off, but um, you know, it wasn't micromanaging. It was letting people do their own things and learning how to grow and learning how to fail. And man, it was, it was a magical team.
0: I think you have a truly, Intelligent person when they are able to do that. So many people let their insecurities lead them to make comments and say things that are, might be out of turn in terms of what they know. But to have somebody, because I mean, Wall Street—he obviously saw, you know, he was skating where the puck was going, so to speak. He he could see uh, the potential in the craft spirits industry, and he saw a boom on the rise, and he got in on the ground floor. Uh, but that's awesome that you had a partner that you do the thing I'm good at and let the people that do the thing that they're do good at do it
1: that's very rare amen i couldn't agree more we were very fortunate and and of course you know he he's become a good friend he and i had dinner two nights ago that's so, awesome um I, he's a um he's a really humble guy and just yeah friends with his family his wife and his kids and uh, it's it all feels really really wonderful we we certainly feel like uh we got lucky over the years we were in the right place at the right time we worked really really hard and we had a really good team so you know when we when we started it was the, the three owners and then the people that ran it we had one person in the offices office and then it was uh me and a guy named john Foster, who's also a, you yep. know, got, one of the first guys i met when i moved to west virginia out of college and uh he and i ran the business up until about a year ago now he works at um ragged branch he's in the, he's a owner and directors, national director of sales at Ragged Branch in Virginia. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I know, I know John as, as well. He's a very good guy. Uh, so you get the business off the ground. And, and I think this is always the part that, that I'm always fascinated by this part of it because it is such a, a mystery inside a Pandora's box of, of wonder, and you don't know what's going to happen when you start distilling. Uh, you said you were going to start with vodka and gin. How quickly after you started with that did you realize you wanted to go into just? Do you still make vodka and gin?
1: We we don't. So the, so the way it so worked, so the way it worked is we you know we started doing that started doing the white spirits and whiskey when we could, and then in 2011. We realized that we were actually at the end of 2010. So we'd only been in the business for whatever eight or nine months. And we said, you know, this, this, we're not big enough. We're, we're going to have just one still is not going to work. So in, in early 2011, we were at Vendome buying a second still, one pot. They were both pot stills. We were going to have the bigger, the new still that we were buying from Vendome was going to be the stripping still. And then we were going to do a whiskey still off of the existing still, the, the spirit still, right? Uh, so like a low wine run and then a high wine run. And we were at Vendom and they were talking about a guy named Richard Wolf. Richard brokers barrels. Richard used to be the vice president of production for Buffalo trace. And he was in the, he's a consultant. And then he also brokers barrels, really also a really wonderful person. And, um, and we, I, they were like well we 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 this guy's brokers barrels and I'm like whoa wait, wait, what are you talking about like empty barrels and they're like no no like barrels of whiskey and so I had to learn all about you know independent bottlers and what that really meant and that was yeah that was the beginning of 2011 and at the time you know there were people who were sourcing whiskey from other people but nobody was doing what the idea that we had which was to be open and honest and transparent about it so we're selling vodka and gin through this some of this was kind of mad again it was magical timing we're selling vodka gin and just starting to make whiskey and we're doing it through this distributor um which is now Winebow, used to be called the Country ventners now called Winebow. And they had a division called uh Craft and Estate. And it was about all sorts of small craft distillers who were making things grain to glass. And it was like us and balcones and uh Corsair. And then we had Boyd and Blair Vodka out of Pennsylvania, we're all in this little portfolio of all these little craft distillers. And this these wine distributors were selling this spirit in all of their um places that they also sold wine, right? So it was it was opening new doors for them because now they were selling spirits. And and then they could go into new places and then they could turn right in there and go in there and sell wine. And of course the craft caught the craft uh, distilling world, the craft cocktail world was exploding. So they were expanding their portfolio and we were lucky to tag along in that group. So we, we so we, that's, we're selling all this stuff. It's always it's grain to glass, grain to glass. So we found out about this source whiskey business and I call the craft and the state folks and I say, so here's this crazy idea. I know everything you do is grain to glass, but we think we have an opportunity to, to source some really delicious whiskey. And by the way, we had gone through like eleven. Different samples. There there was so much whiskey available on the market. We had tasted things from all of the heritage distilleries. Well, three of the heritage distilleries. We tasted stuff from different people. There was, I think we went through 10 different whiskeys, and the 11th one was what we're going, well, actually, those actually really doing rye today, but it was Old Scout bourbon. It was a five year old high rye bourbon, right? So that was the one we finally settled on. And I knew it was the one that we were going to do the moment I smelled it. So I call this guy up and I say, I know, all right, everything's grain to glass. we source this really delicious whiskey. We don't make it. We're going to tell people that we don't make it. It's going to be affordably priced and we're going to call it old scout, right? We're going to talk about the fact that we don't make it. And I said, can you sell it? And he says, I, I, I think we can. So, we I got to stop you right barrels. there because that, yep.
0: you're already ahead of the curve in this thought process, especially for the piece of time that you're talking about, because in this time period, in this uh, 2010 to 2012, is that when this is happening? 2011. 2011. Okay. So this is right when everybody on the shelf that isn't making it themselves are lying through their teeth and just turning off consumers. Yes. <laughs> I without without naming that. anybody like everybody was putting no nobody was being the kind of honest that you're talking about being with the consumer.
1: You're right. And you know, it's, I I talked about it earlier, right? Whereas always for for the first eight or nine years, I felt like it was us against the world. I still don't believe we ever got enough credit for that. We, I really do believe we we try to be very humble about things and I appreciate all the things that other people do, but I really do believe that we were the pioneer in telling people the truth about not making whiskey. And now it's now lots of people do it. Right. Um, But at the time, nobody was doing that. Um, and it was something that we always believed in. It was something that we continue to believe in. Now, uh, we're open and honest and transparent about the whiskey that we make and the whiskey that we source. And, um, it's just, this is the way we're going to operate. And we're also there when people, when people don't like the whiskey, when people love the whiskey, everybody shows up when people don't like something you offer. I've also tried to be there then, right? So that showing up when things are bad. That's how you learn. That's that's how you learn. That's right. uh, So anyway, we bought forty barrels of whiskey, and then we bought eighty barrels, and then we bought one hundred and twenty barrels, and then my partner, this guy Greg, said, "All right, I've seen enough of those. Let's go out and buy as many as you can." I think the most we had at that time, we we bought about thirty eight hundred barrels of whiskey, and we had, (laughs) you know, you know, Old Scout was, but Old Scout was never intended to be. We we learned so much. We talk about brands now, but Old Scout was never intended to be a. Brand. I mean, it was a, it was a brand, but we're talking about where they had this whole plan of how to build this out. What it was, was a project that was, um, it was about sourcing whiskey that we thought was really wonderful and bringing it to the consumer. It was like antique shopping for whiskey. So we had old scout bourbon. And we had Old Scout Rye, and we had a product called Old Scout 10, which was a different version of that. We had very Old Scout. We had a couple of different things during that 2011 to 2013 time period that we brought out. But it was never really about building a brand. In hindsight, we made a lot of mistakes because we didn't build one label that could be changed three different times or five different times to do line extensions. We didn't buy enough of the whiskey early on say, if you're, if you're buying five-year-old whiskey now, the next year you need to buy, uh, you need need to have a five-year plan, right? So that you have, so that you have whiskey being made today that comes online at five years old, five years from now. So we didn't, we didn't do that. We we just didn't have the hot, the the foresight to be able to do that. We didn't have the industry knowledge to understand barrel models and things like that, and so we were we we made a lot of mistakes during that time. That really we've just come out of because right? whiskey takes so long. Right, Old Scout blew up from 2011 we basically ran out of inventory in 2016 and we brought it back online in 2000. We got smart in like 14 or 15 and we brought that whiskey back online in 2019. So we're really just coming out of mistakes that we made in 2012. That's we wild. Just now have our portfolio, right where it's mature. It's not going to, we're not going to sell out a whiskey. Um, you know, we have the availability that we want to have. So it tells you how long the bourbon world really works and how long it takes to do those things.
0: And I've, I've, enjoyed smooth ambler for a while now and i i can remember that like you you had something on the shelf and then in the past few years it's gone from a few things to like now you're seeing it branch off and you've got more on the shelf than you've ever had before so so that's the reason you 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 had to kind of recover for a minute or two
1: we we did we and and the way we first recovered we the second time we expanded, we went from two pot steels to a column still. Mm-hmm. And so that was in the fall of 2014, I think. And that was also during a time of a barrel shortage. So we were shut down so that we could sell those two stills and bring in a column still. And oh, by the way, change the building to fit a 36 column foot still, tall right. column still in there. So <laughs> it took us about four months of being shut down. During that time, we couldn't make any whiskey, but there was also a barrel shortage at the time. So we were, that was the first time we ever bought you, you can buy whiskey two ways. You can buy whiskey through a New Make contract, right? Which is made coming off the of steel, or you can buy what we call spot purchase, which is whiskey that's aged at some at some point, right? So the first time we ever bought New Make was during that shutdown time. We had barrels, but no, no whiskey to put in them. MGP obviously had plenty of whiskey, but they didn't have barrels. So I said, hey, if I ship you the barrels that we have, can you fill them up with whiskey? And they were like, yeah. So the first time we ever bought new whiskey, we bought the barrels, shipped them to them. They put the whiskey in them and stored them at their facility. And then oh. we just continued that plan. And so the whiskey, the first whiskey that we ever made in 2000, or the, the first Old Scout that we brought back in 2019 was whiskey that we laid down during a shutdown in 2014, five years later. So really interesting how we how we came into that.
0: But that's beautiful because you're normally it's like the opposite of that. You, you they'll they'll fill it up and then you've got to figure out what to do with them. You send them the barrels and then they stored them for you. That's right. That's exactly right. It was oh it was uh,
1: it, it worked worked out fantastically.
0: That's wonderful. I, I've got friends right now. They're in the midst of starting their own label, and and one of the things that she will call me with is um she'll give me like the price report. Like she'll be like, hey, okay, so guess what? You also have to pay for storage. Like, like The little things that people don't think of when they're going through the uh, beginning to end of, of, of whiskey production. So yeah. that's, that's phenomenal. You sent them the barrels and they filled them up and kept them there. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: It was not environmentally friendly. That was the one thing that we really we, – we try to be careful on those things. And uh, The whiskey, the barrels actually had to come to us first, and then we turned right around, packed them up, and shipped them to MGP And because uh, we had to wait. We, we were not buying that many barrels at the time, so we had to wait for like two truckloads worth of them to get here, and then we took them all together and sent them up to MGP. But it right. worked out great, and we use a premium barrel. A lot of barrels are uh, like a three- to six-month-yard age, and we use the 12- to 18-month-yard age staves. So I think the whiskey is – uh, at a, it's, I think it's better at a younger age using those staves that have been air dried a little longer.
0: Again, quality ingredients. Uh, uh, wow. That's marketing working right there. I almost quoted the Papa John's commercial, uh, but it's, it's not untrue that you, you, you start with a better barrel. That barrel's going to release better whiskey.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, while as a, the guy, um, the guy that works at barrel bourbon, um, Oh man, his name is just slipped my mind. great guy who does the production there. He He's used a line that I love and I, I repeat it, which is as much as it's not a magic box, having a really good stave, you know, that's a really good thing. He, he calls it, he says, you barrel it in a magic box. You can't put bad whiskey in there and get great whiskey out, but certainly having older staves, I think gets it ready a little bit sooner. Having longer air dried staves gets it ready a little sooner.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, yeah. Trip. Trip is his name, by the way.
0: Okay. I, I know Joe and Will, uh, over there. Uh, that's another one where, yeah, good stuff all the way around. Uh, so now you've but we're talking smooth ambler today. Uh, so now you've and I, I'm just fascinated by the entire. It's another skill set, the ability to pick a good barrel. And because, and, I mean, once you got it, it's yours. It's like a car. Once you drive that barrel off the lot, there's no turning it around and taking it back when you get it back and realize you don't like it as much as you thought you did. Uh, you,
1: you're exactly right. We, we, went, we you know, MGP, the, the magic of all of these big heritage distilleries is, is really not that they make so much whiskey it's that they make so much whiskey and it's so damn delicious, right. right? We we use a lot of things in our, a lot of talk in our marketing where we talk about n- being not from Kentucky, right? Because we need people to, we need to develop our own identity as being from West Virginia. We're not trying to be like other folks. We're trying to establish our own identity and being not from Kentucky is a big part of what we talk about, right? And that, but that's not to say we don't think Kentucky whiskey is delicious. It is clearly delicious. Whiskey. <laughs> the standard is clearly being set in kentucky right and and we drink a lot of that whiskey and and again as i say the magic is not that they make so much it's that it's so damn delicious right so they're really consistent mg and i know mgp is in indiana but still it's they're so consistent so it's not like we tasted through a ton of things and go "Oh, these taste terrible and these really these barrels are great they made a lot of really really great whiskey have we rejected lots yes and we've done that quite a few times but we've also uh been really good at Uh, you know, we think we've been good at picking barrels. We also think they make a delicious whiskey. What we do really well is that we've been very good stewards of the whiskey when it's here. Uh, You know, we, we think we, when we blend, we do a really good job of selecting barrels that go into our blend. We're very, very careful that when we that when we filter, we're removing bits of the barrel and pretty much everything else. We we won't we won't take enough out of the product that it doesn't flock, right? You don't get flocked. We don't chill filter, but we, we do tighten up our filters enough that we get a little bit of that stuff that might cause flocculation in the product. Uh, we obviously want to remove the, the barrel char in there because as much as some people say they like it, most people see something in the bottom of a bottle and they go, holy cow, what's, what's going right, on here? Right. So we're really good stewards of that. And then when we dilute, we are we are completely obsessive about our water so we're really good about those, about being good stewards for the whiskey and about making that whiskey taste as much like a barrel sample you know that we're going to drink today yep. or that that we can that we can possibly be and so we think those are the things that we've done. And 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 as you know, other people source MGP whiskey. A lot of people source MGP whiskey. But I think if you line up the smooth ambler products with those other people that source that whiskey and you're doing apples to apples comparison, as as we said when I was a kid, that doesn't really mean much anymore. We'll take the Pepsi challenge with anybody. Right. Right. We we think that we do a better job of that. And I think a lot of people would tell you that they do that. Is some of that. The name recognition, maybe, but I really do believe that in a blind taste test, we'll win. And I believe that we've perfected a few things in the distillery that make that whiskey taste better than maybe some other folks that are sourcing the same product.
0: Well, and the beauty too is your geography. Like some people, everything that goes into it is going to determine how it ends up at the when it hits the shelf. Uh, you've got, the right seasons in West Virginia. You've got good water in West Virginia. So there's multiple things that you're going to have over a a different climate that might be two seasons instead of four, or might not have as good a water as West Virginia has. So I I completely agree that you can put them next to one another and tell the difference almost down to the geography uh, on. And that's not including your, what you know and the knowledge that you're putting into the bottle as well uh and you've 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 alluded to this delicious whiskey a couple times now i've been i've been biding my time i've been sitting here looking at it it's been staring at me john it's been talking to me every time i look to the left i'm looking at this delicious whiskey that's just been uh it's been nosing me for the past hour so let's uh you've been gracious enough to send some delicious delicious things here uh let's keep this conversation going while we get into some of this awesomeness
1: Let's taste. uh, Let's taste them in this order, if you don't mind. Let's do. uh, We're going to do Contradiction Rye first. All right, and then Founders Cash Strength uh, Series Rye, and then we're going to do the Old Scout Single Barrel Rye, and then we'll do the Old Scout Rye Pork Cast Finish. Perfect. So, 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 Contradiction Rye. We we think of our business now as more of a. We think of ourselves as a whiskey company, as more of just the distillery, and and. We have three things that we do in the distillery. We, we make whiskey, we source whiskey, and then contradiction is a mingling of those two different efforts, a marriage of those two different efforts. And we started off with contradiction. Bourbon, contradiction, so right, so I talked about how much I love Kentucky bourbon or Kentucky whiskey in general. You know, years ago, I tasted a product. It was a Heaven Hill product. It's called the Parker Heritage Master Distillers Blend of Mashbills. What a mouthful, right, of, of a name. But it is absolutely delicious whiskey. It's a blend of a weeded bourbon mixed with a rye bourbon. They're dealing with some really crazy stocks, 13- and 17-year-old stock, from what I understand. But I loved it. It's one of my favorite whiskeys ever. And we wanted to see if we could replicate that. And that's what started the Contradiction Bourbon uh, idea. It wasn't about anything about trying to mix our juice carry the you know to make old scout stocks last longer or to dilute our own whiskey it was none of that right because that would say that we're smarter than we are what it was about was about trying to copy something that we liked in our own unique way right certainly we were at the time we were dealing with two and nine-year-old whiskey now all of contradiction is five to 12 years old contradiction rye has been something that we've been working on for about five years we sourced some rye whiskey from tennessee years ago most people have never tasted this this rye whiskey yeah, just absolutely delicious whiskey. I'm so excited about the about the about the label too. So we we started sourcing contradiction rye It's this a stuff badass for contradiction label. rye years. Ago. Yeah, it's a really good label. Thank you. Um, we make some rye whiskey in West Virginia that we're really excited about. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. And then um, and then we obviously we source the some rye whiskey from Indiana. So contradiction rye is a blend of four different rye whiskeys. It's a 70% rye from Tennessee, a uh, 51% rye from Tennessee, a 95% rye from Indiana, and an 88% rye from West Virginia. We blend all of those together, we let them spend a little bit of time together, and then we bottle this whiskey at 105 proof. And here's, here's how we work at the distillery. Contradiction bourbon used to be 100 proof, and it used to be $50 a bottle. Over the years, we heard two complaints that the, that the whiskey was too expensive for what it was, now it's $40 a bottle, and that the proof was a little too high so we made it 92 proof. So 92 proof, we when we lower the price, we also we lower the proof, we also lower the price. The price more than the proof. So <laughs> try try to be good try to be good folks. When contradiction rye came out, I as the business person wanted it to be closer and proof to the contradiction bourbon because I didn't want to have one proof at 92 proof and one at something else. But the so I made a lab, we made a label at 92 the first time, first time I hope we could get it at the same proof and we would have the same price, same proof. The blending team Andy Stu Travis said, "It's not as good at 92 proof." And I said, "Well, let's get it as low as we can because I want it to be close to contradiction bourbon." It's not about money, swear to you, it's not about money. It was about being, you know, similar to what contradiction bourbon is. Ultimately, those th- that team decided, "Hey, just so you know, this is the proof it's supposed to be at. It's supposed to be at 105 proof, and that's where we think it tastes the best." So, guess what? It's at 105. <laughs> Fruit. So Perfect. line price with contradiction bourbon is also $40 a bottle, but instead of being 92 proof, it's 105 proof. And we did that because we thought it was what's right for the whiskey, right. right? So this whiskey, this whiskey, we, and we sampled, I can't tell you how long we worked on this project to get this blend right, to get these ratios right. And this whiskey has been a home run. It's only been out since June. It is you know, we already do a really bold, spicy rye with the old with the old Scout rye, and we do a really bold rye with our founders Cash Strength Series rye. This one is not that. This is softer. It's lighter. It's a nice introduction into rye. You get a lot of fruit off of the nose. Right On this nose, it almost reminds me of like, a, uh, like an unpeated scotch to start off with, right? Where you get just so much of that fruit and that kind of sweet, creamy nose on the front of it. You get a little bit of oat, but it's mostly fruit and sweetness. I don't think you nose this and think this was a rye.
0: You get the spice
1: a little bit, but I'm getting creamy and I'm getting like apricot. Yeah. We say like, like a we sweet say fruit, you got it. We say tropical fruit, you get a little bit of that cream soda nose on it. And what, what attracted us to, to contradiction bourbon, the final blend of contradiction bourbon was Cheers, John was, thank you. Cheers. Was how creamy it was. We think this has got a, a pretty creamy finish. It's a little shorter than the bourbon. Um, and it's a little bit drier than the bourbon. It's rye, right? So it's got a high rye that right. spice kind of opens up the palate a little bit, but Oh, it's 105 proof whiskey. It's it's everything here is uh you know, if it's not five years old, it's just under five years old. So it's you know, five years to six-year-old whiskey in here, 105 proof, $39.99 on the bottle.
0: It's, it's just, dangerous, is what it is, because it's 105, <laughs> but you're right, it drinks lighter. It, it drinks it much lighter. Does not drink like 105. Uh, but look at that glass. I mean, when you swirl this thing, it still has the legs. Like this is not a a light whiskey. Like it, it, it's got it, it's thicker than you would think it is just just by
1: rolling it around in your mouth a little bit. We, we love we love viscous whiskey.
0: Mm-hmm. Me, too. Me, too. You're right. I think my favorite part about this one is that second hit like like that first hit at the edge of your tongue and then it opens up completely in the middle of your tongue and you get like a spice bomb right in the middle of those uh, of of those uh not citrus but of those um almost floral notes combined with the spice of the rye like that sit right in the middle of your tongue and then of yeah, course it, it, cre- cream cream soda all day long
1: it's certainly it's certainly fruit fruit on the front and more spice in the back absolutely
0: Man, that's super tasty. And you're right. The, the, the finish isn't as long, but the middle is, is beautiful. Like where it sits in the middle. I could go here all day long.
1: Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to chew on this whiskey. It's not like you're not going to you know, drink this whiskey and still be tasting the whiskey five minutes later. Right there, there are some whiskeys that taste that have these really, really, really long finishes. It's it's certainly more. Uh, it's a little bit of a shorter finish. We I assume that'll change a little bit as it gets more mature. Uh, but man, we love this whiskey as it is. Oh,
0: completely, completely. This is uh, this is one of those keep it on your shelf always. And when somebody wants to try something, you start them with this. I can I completely it's see why you started here.
1: It's a great introduction into rye. Completely. Uh, I've it, been on such
0: a rye kick lately too. Like today, I've been looking forward to today since you told me what we were tasting, uh, <laughs> because everything is right in my wheelhouse of flavor for for where I'm at right now.
1: Well, today we're not doing bourbon showdown; we're doing rye showdown. Right? There all you go, rye today, All rye whiskey.
0: <laughs> it's a, just it's a rye rodeo.
1: Three of these products are new. Right? We've had Old Scout Rye single barrel. Uh, for years, and then again, it you know, went away, and it came back. But the, you know, the contradiction rye has only been out since June. The cash, the founders cash rate series rye has been out since September, and then the port Cast finished. While we had it in the distillery back in the summer, it only went into the market back in uh, back in September October.
0: Man, that's good.
1: And, and, and yes, uh, uh,
0: I think when it hit North Carolina, when did it hit? When did the um, old scout
1: rye? hit North Carolina last the old, spring. The old cat Rye probably hit. Yeah. Last spring. That's probably right. Uh, and the it, contradiction ride hit probably this late summer.
0: Right. It was one of those things where, uh, and I, I love, I love being able to sit back and watch what hits, you know what I mean? Like uh, uh just, you, you like what you like and you pay attention to the people that you want to see be successful. But when that rye hit North Carolina, you could not find a bottle of it. Like uh, there were a couple places in uh, South Carolina where, you know, it's a good whiskey. If you make the text chain, you know what I mean? And yeah, there were right. people, all right, old scout rye. It just hit insert name of store. And it was like, all right, perfect. That means uh, everybody's talking about this thing. If it's made the text chain,
1: well you know we we do uh we've been doing these old scout bourbon picks for uh you know for a number brought them back right a couple of years ago and uh we just brought back a few of the, uh, the old scout rye single barrel picks custom picks mm. uh we've only you have to be at the distillery to do them we don't really send them into the market to make them available so we've only done a couple of them we ship like two out of the market but you know scott and um uh scott and and tom and those guys actually scott and greg came up and picked one of those barrels and so i i told them that i thought they were going to be wildly successful with the bourbon but the ride was going to be another story i didn't think the ride would last more than a day or two we have we haven't done a ride single barrel pick released one in the market or we've released two in the last five years so i I think i think i think think they'll be happy with that
0: that's awesome that's awesome uh and again, <laughs> I don't think anybody listening to today's episode are going to be able to walk away without knowing more about Smooth Ambler and then also knowing about Lazy Day Liquors. Yeah, try, try. that's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, you, you can't see it. Scott's actually uh, just off of camera. Every time I've not said Lazy Day in, in like five or ten minutes, he holds up a sign that says Lazy Day. Like, Okay, Scott, I got it. <laughs>
1: You have to uh, you have to call him to make sure he sponsors the show. Now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, there you go. So that so, was a wonderful place to start. Um, as we move into the single barrel, uh, okay, you've got your so, so, you've, so let's
1: taste let's taste Founders Cash Strength Series next. Oh, okay, you have it. Yes, yes. So I think you have the whole bottle, right? Which is the white the white bottle is. Yes. yes,
0: and this is so, one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this guy. Like this is uh, really hard to get by me. So this has been uh, a super looking forward to trying this one with you.
1: So uh, let me tell you how this whiskey came to be. So about seven years ago, eight years ago, let me think here. Gosh, it's running together now. Maybe longer than that, maybe. Maybe 2013, 2012, we brought in Larry Eversol to do some consulting for us, right? Larry used to be the he, everybody calls him the master distiller at MGP. Larry would tell you his title was, I think, was production manager. <laughs> I, I think Larry would tell you that master distiller is made up by some marketing person. But Larry was the production manager at uh at MGP. And uh, an also funny story, uh, Jim Rutledge and I are pretty good friends. And he's been, he's been good to to, to us in the past.
0: He's a great guy. Years
1: ago. Yeah. Good guy. Years ago, Jim Rutledge told me that Larry Ebersole was the smartest guy in North America making whiskey and i believe he is he came to distillery he consulted with us and then in 2014 or 2000 early early 2015 when we got the column still put in place he he came in and consulted with us like that and and we call him on a regular basis to ask him questions and sometimes he just says you need to stop worrying about things and just do things this way (laughs) so sometimes he's just sometimes he's just our therapist he helped us make this this rye whiskey um this whiskey is modeled after the mgp whiskey we don't We don't do a high rye bourbon. We don't really, we don't do a 95% rye risky whiskey. We don't really try to mimic other mash bills, but this one is made in a similar style. We wanted to make a rye whiskey. Instead of being 95.5, this is 88.12. So 88% rye, 12% Baltimore. And we cook this the same way. So, you know, when you cook when you cook bourbon, you take this bourbon up to a really, really high, the corn up to a really high temperature, you're breaking down all those starches and you cool it down. This is cooked with what they call an infusion style of cooking. So this grain is cooked at a much lower temperature and, and, and it really helps to get to like pull out all of those flavors of the rye at a much cooler temperature than than uh than you would if you took it all the way to a boil. So I, I think of it in a very rudimentary way is like steeping something at cooler temperatures instead of doing it. Think of think of like tea when people say there's an optimal temperature for tea, we believe this is a really great temperature and Larry tells us this is a great temperature for making rye. We think it really pulls out a lot of the flavors of the grain. So this would be a this would be not the same thing as contradiction rye. This would be all. This would be a rye drinker's rye. Big bold spicy notes. This was going to have Christmas spice and deal and black tea and stuff in it. And and look, we we wouldn't put something out if we weren't excited about it. But Big Level had a love-hate relationship, right? We and bourbon had a love-hate relationship. The feedback we've gotten from founders couldn't be more different. It's just a love-love relationship. Awesome. Uh, and so we've been really excited. We didn't put a lot of this out. We didn't make a ton five years ago. It, it has become a favorite of people, who those dramblers that i talked about, these people who visited the distillery. It's become a favorite of theirs. They tasted it two, three, four years old. Um And so we've been really, really excited about this. We've been ramping up production over the years and I'm telling you two more years from now, three more years from now, this whiskey will be just perfect. You know, look, it takes a long time to make whiskey. So we've gotten better at what we do about making whiskey. We've gotten better about how we blend whiskey and how we put whiskey into the barrel, all the ways that we call the shepherding process, the way that we've shepherded this whiskey over years. We've just continued to get better at that. And I can't, Somebody asked me years ago what I wanted to see Smooth Amber do. We won World's Best Single Barrel with the MGP whiskey in 2016. I've wanted to win World's Best Single Barrel with our own whiskey, and I think in in another two to five years, I think we're I think we're there. And That's I awesome. think it's going to be some of the best whiskey made. This whiskey is absolutely delicious. Can't wait for you to try.
0: Oh, I can't wait to get in here. Uh, and I love the process you were talking about. It sounds like you're almost following. Barbecue logic, where you're slow cooking it, you're just letting yep. it lower heat, greater flavor.
1: You got it. Yep, that's right. Cooking a brisket, cooking a pork butt.
0: Oh, <sighs> yeah. Brisket, brisket more than a pork butt because this takes
1: time. Yeah, you can speed cook a you can speed cook a pork butt, <laughs> but this one's got you know it's got this um, nose is beautiful. And the nose is beautiful. It's got this almost bourbon like nose on it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? With that that sweet oak. And kind of brown sugar on it, but you certainly get um what we call Christmas spice. You certainly get this really kind of Christmas, very bold, spicy notes of it all day long. And this is a and full this whiskey, body. This whiskey is creamy and uh you know, it's it's very viscous, and I, I think it's just really bold. This does have a long, a long finish on it, and it oh, stays yeah. it, around in your mouth for a while. I love like Can't get enough of it. It, it, This is one of those. I couldn't be more excited about where our whiskey is right now.
0: Oh my goodness! It's it just keeps opening up. Like you, 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 you're right. The finish on this is is amazing. You get it tip of the tongue, then there is like a it's like a (laughs) not for a, a, a corny metaphor, but it's almost like a Christmas present. Like you open it up and it just keeps. It keeps uh, a Russian doll. It's like a Russian doll because you keep getting more the deeper into it. You go.
1: I just, I love, I love this. I love this whiskey.
0: It's one of those whiskeys you could literally spend your day with. Like every pour, you're getting a different, more pronounced.
1: Man, that's good. That is so freaking good, John. John. And this will be this will be so everything the way it works is on our on our founders cash strength series. We we do this as cash strength, but not single barrels. So okay. we pick thirty two barrels that we thought were ready, and we put two batches of eleven barrels and one batch of ten, and we bottle them at cash strength. So we dump a we dump eleven barrels into a tank. Bottled all eleven is batch one. Up eleven bottled all as batch two. So every on the label, it says it will have the batch on the front, printed on the label, and then it has it signed, the same printed on the back. So every single thing that we do will be a full batch. This is a batch of eleven barrels. I think that is that batch one. Batch one. So that was eleven barrels. Batch two was eleven. Batch three was uh, was ten barrels, and that was two thousand eleven. So now we'll start off if we, when we do ride this year. We'll have batch. 2022 batch one 2022 batch two 2020 whatever right so we're 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 excited about that that and is that phenomenal. is that is this this long oh uh, man this, I love, that whiskey is it, it's right? great it it,
0: it 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 takes us full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning this is one of those whiskeys that you want to sit and drink with people that enjoy whiskey just because, if nothing else, if you and I have nothing in common, we can sit here and dissect this whiskey together and find common ground somewhere.
1: Somewhere, that's exactly right. And by the way, we've lost that a lot. Of, we've lost that in a lot of phases in the world, and I think the whiskey world does that really, really well. It enables Agreed. people to find find common ground. You know, one of the things that we did with all these whiskeys is, and, it's, and especially with the Founders Castrate Series whiskey, is that. You know, we send this whiskey off to other people and we get their opinion on it. Um, So we sent this off to Larry. We sent this off to a couple of friends and then we sent this to um, a woman named Nancy Fraley. Do you know that name? I, I I don't know Nancy. So they call her Nancy the Nose. So Nancy is a sensory analysis professional in California. She spent a lot of time doing blends of uh, of cognacs uh, for folks in France. And she works with a lot of craft distillers in the U.S. And really what she does is she tells you, this is what this smells like. And she gives you feedback on it. And then she's got enough knowledge to know where all of those components come from. Wow. And then where those, com- where those components are made. Are they made from grain? Are they made from the barrel? Are they made from the yeast component? Whatever. And so... That's how we ultimately decided on some things. We had some barrels. We said, Hey, what do you think about this? We like all these barrels. Uh, and, and that's how we end up on, on contradiction. Actually on founders, she was just like, yeah, I agree. Those are great. Put it in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, it, 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 it was great. I agree. Travis had a plan. Run. This was, this was Travis's real, Not that this is his real final project, putting this into a bottle. And he said, Hey, I think you're right on these barrel on these, the way you're going to divide these barrels up. Uh, great job. And, uh, Anyway, just a really great moment. Guy's thirty years old, man. He's the head distiller at Smooth Ambler now, and he's the one that put finalized his stamp on on founders.
0: And at thirty what, years what, what a, what a old, he still has a whole career in front of him. Like some, uh, uh, you know, whole career. It, that's awesome. Uh, uh, who was somebody was breaking down for me? The uh, you don't not everybody gets to be Jim. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like the the nature boy is one in a million when it comes to people that can still do it at that age. Most of the That's time right. you don't get that many five, seven, 10, 12. You don't get that many under your belt. You know what I mean? So for and, him to be 30, he still has a long road ahead of him.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. We had a, uh, Larry Ebersold sent me a note. The last time they spent some time last time that he and Travis spent some time together and he said, I'm not sure you or Pernod know how lucky you are to, to have Travis and I said I know, I certainly know. I'm like yeah, yeah. You know, we we've, we've got a really great team, right? Between between Andy who runs uh, blending and processing, and Travis who's now the head distiller, and Stu who works on a bunch of our special projects. Those three people that really taste everything and decide what to put into a bottle. We we have a really really talented team. They and and quite frankly they're they're more skilled uh, than I am about uh, some of the nuances of the whiskey.
0: I'm completely enamored by b- the blending process. Like, I, I, I think everything in this game is like uh, an education and a growing, like you grow into different appreciations of different parts of the process. Uh, I, when you get started, all you know is what you know. I think a lot of people think that you Two guys uh, get drunk in a basement, decide to make a whiskey label, and then boom, there's whiskey on the shelf the next day. Uh, and then you kind of grow into, you learn about the distillation, and you learn about the master. Or, or, like you're right, it's, it's, it is sort of a marketing term, the master distiller. But you learn but about works. the person that, that makes the whiskey. Uh, I think the blending is is just as artful as the distilling in that it's, it's a chess game. The same way you were talking, you've got to have that five-year plan. You also have to be able to take barrels that might not work on their own and put them together with other things that might not work on their own to create a balanced product. And that to me, just completely captures my imagination.
1: I agree. And it's one of the things that we love about the whiskey business and I, I have been so shocked about how little the change in something can affect the spirit. I don't know, going from twenty-five percent of one product into the blend and going to twenty-seven or twenty-eight percent—just three uh, percent—you take these contradiction rye where you have, you know, you have four different ryes in there, and you change it by a couple of points, and you're like, "Oh, that changes the finish on it, or that changes the creaminess of it." Right. And you're seeing that in the world now with a couple of folks. You see that with, you know, Compass Box. does a really, really great job of, this, of all this blending. Actually, they should—they're probably this, the industry leader now in terms of taking different products and blending them and making them exceptional and and, and we think that's really where the, the future lies is to be able to make new and interesting blends based off of component pieces uh you, you know again it's like it's like we talked about earlier about the barrel not being a magic box you can't take shit whiskey and blend it away it just mm-hmm. it just doesn't work but certainly you can make something that might be you know that might be might be greater as a as a component and, and to this blend that it would be on its own. And that's what we're constantly looking for. The blending part is super exciting to me. I,
0: I like to think of it like a Voltron. Like you might have one barrel that is just so amazing in this one part that, okay, that's, that's the, that's the yellow lion or, and this is the red lion, this is the blue lion. And then forms the head and you have like the best thing ever.
1: Let's drink. Oh, that's the port cast. Let's drink this, uh, old Scott Rye Single barrel.
0: I'll tell you, John, I could sit here and drink the cask all day long.
1: Well, you know, it's, I'm glad you got a bottle. Cause we, that stuff is that stuff is sold out pretty much it's, everywhere. I think they, I think they got gone. it. It's uh, It's gone. Uh, that's we'll bring awesome. it back out in the fall. We'll bring out our second. I don't know if anybody knows this. So news on the bourbon showdown, Uh-oh. Uh, we're going to bring out our second founders cash strength series this, this spring. Most people don't know that we make a rye-based bourbon. Uh, sorry, bourbon made with rye, you know, whichever way you want to call it. So we make we make a low we make a low rye bourbon as well. We make a we call it a 71-21-8 recipe, but the reality of it is it's I hate the way this works sometimes, but it's 71.4, 21.4, and 7.2. So it's actually a 20 71 21.7, which only adds up to 99. But um, uh, John Foster, by the way, one time was uh, was telling people, it came, went into an article about some whiskey anyway, and he used the percentage of the grain bill and added up to like 108%. And I teased him for a long time about that was the reason the whiskey tasted so good because it was more than 100% back into the bottle.
0: <laughs> well, at Smooth Ambler, you guys give 100% plus some.
1: <laughs> we get 100%, right? <laughs> so this is, uh, this is Old Scout Rye, single barrel. Um, we had this product this years great. ago, in 2011, and then ran out of, we ran out of rye before we ran out of anything else. And it was so highly sought after. It was, um, I, I will tell you a little bit of a funny story. The first time we ever put Old Scout rye into it, this is a great way about how, how marketing in the world works. The first time we ever put uh, Old Scout rye into a bottle, first couple of reviews we had were mediocre at best. And not mediocre, but they were mediocre. <laughs> and, if, and if I knew then, what I know now, I would mortgage my house to buy more of that whiskey because I couldn't tell you how wrong they were. Old Scout Rye was a winner then, and Old Scout Rye is a winner now. And if we had bought more five-year-old Old Scout Rye in 2012 or 13, and we had we a had, uh, 15-year-old Old Scout Rye right now, we could sell it for a trillion dollars a bottle, right? You could sell it for whatever you want. <laughs> it's just delicious whiskey. And it goes to show you that uh you know you can't always rely on on those things and you have to believe what what you know in your heart you have to stick to those things and you know old scout rye is we we didn't we didn't do that as much as we should but old scout rye was a winner glad to have it back this is a pretty simple whiskey right here in terms of um about how it we have these great stories about how we blend contradiction we have these great stories about how we made founders and how we make the portcast but this is a pretty simple thing right this is 95 percent Rye, 5% malted barley from MGP. We bought this whiskey under a new mate contract years ago. We bring truckloads of the barrels to West Virginia. And then basically what we do is we every single barrel that we blend now, we drill the ends of the barrel, we taste the sample of it and make sure that it goes either into a blend, it goes into some, you know, it goes into a, a batch rather or a mingling, or it goes into a single barrel. The standout sometimes go to these single barrels. So typically the way we do a single barrel, it's really, really easy. We'll drill about eight or nine barrels. Uh maybe 10 barrels. We'll pick the four or five that we're going to bottle that day as single barrels. Maybe we only find two, maybe we find one, but most of the time we find four or five out of 10 that we really like. And they'll go into old scout rice single barrel. That's what this is. bottled at cash strength, no chill. We don't do chill filter on anything, but I always fuck like out to say it. Uh and then this one was, I think this one was bottled at um 58.4 proof. 58. Sorry, 58.4% alcohol. So 116.8. And uh and it's and, you know, this is the standard MGP nose that people know and love, right? You got some right. deal on this whiskey. This is, and, and interestingly enough, you'll find some similarities on this whiskey to the Founders that we just taste, right? Cooked in a similar way. Right. Uh, the yeast is different on this whiskey than the one that we, than the Founders Castrate Series. But delicious whiskey.
0: Uh, isn't it crazy to pick out the differences in the nose between this and the Founders?
1: It is. And it really is. And, I, and I'll tell you.
0: Uh, you get that sweet. You get the sweet more on this one than you did. You got that rye pop on the founders and the rye is still here. You're still getting that spice in the nose, but you said it a minute ago, you get the MGP sweet pop off the top of this in the nose.
1: And, and, and I will say this, oh. uh, and I'm not and sure delightful. I could always have said this, but I would rather drink the founders than drink this. And I love this whiskey. Oh. I don't, I, say, drink, I don't know what to say. I don't know
0: what to say to that.
1: I would rather drink the Founder's Cash Drink series. I just love it. I love that whiskey. Maybe it's because we made it. And, and I and I I don't know of anybody that's been a bigger proponent of MGP whiskey over the last ten years than, than Smooth there. That's freaking good, though.
0: Oh my god. Okay. Uh, the beautiful part about having multiple expressions in your arsenal is that when you do it the right way, they all have their own personality and this thing drinks differently than the founders. So, uh, not to shill for you for a second, but you could go get both barrels and be perfectly happy because you could go back and forth. Like Uh, there's, you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're hitting different parts of the tongue in, in both pores.
1: I I think it's a, I think it's a fool's errand to, to try to, to try to, Make something that somebody else makes. First of all, I think it's, I think it's impossible. There's just too right. many variables, right? Water. You could have, the, I think, I think, whatever, pick any distillery. I'm not singling them out because I think they're, I think their whiskey's fantastic. Pick Maker's Mark. If I took Maker's Mark grain from Maker's Mark and they gave me their yeast for the day and they told me their recipe and I went home to Smooth Ambler and cooked it, it would taste different.
0: Right. I
1: can't do it there's the the water the still the the floor the fauna there's just too much stuff in the i can't do it so we we never tried to mimic the old scout whiskey and i love that fact i love the fact that but just like you said you can have both of these things and they taste very different even though the you know the recipe follows a similar recipe that that you know by the same guy who made it for whatever 28 years or 25 years uh you just you can't you can't mock something and What's great about it is now we have all these rye whiskeys in the portfolio, right? We only had really had one, which was the old Scott Rye Single Barrel. Now we've got the four whiskey, the four rye whiskeys, and they're all different. And if you don't like one of them or you prefer something over, you know what? We got some other options for you.
0: Right. Well, the thing I like about it is this is what, like my my palate remembers this. This yeah. is uh this is in my memory bank as something that I liked previously, and the founders is now in my memory bank as something I like now so it it, it sort of works together in that way and it's it's a cool thing uh because as the you you are leading the charge in turning whiskey into vintages you know what i mean like uh you're able to put something out this year that is going to be in line with what you put out last year but it's going to be a little different because age temperature location etc and 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 the people will be able to start Oh, a, a 2021 Smooth Ambler versus a 2022. And, and you know, it grows from there.
1: I, I think that's, I, I've, honestly, I've never thought about that, but that sounds really great. That's one of the things we've always loved about single barrels, right? Is that you buy, right. I've seen barrels that are right beside each other, number wise, and taste completely different but I love the fact that you can get a single barrel of old scout and I could get a single barrel of old scout. And we think they're they We think they're very different. They are very different, right? Based on the nuances of that individual barrel. And to be able to share those tasting notes, like you said, to be able to find some common ground in those things and to say, this is really delicious whiskey, but here's how they're different. But maybe there's a life lesson in there. Here's how right. they're similar. Here's how they're different, but they're both delicious.
0: Right. That, that is our uh, sociological uh, uh, revelation of the day. <laughs> right, right, You don't have to agree with everything, but you can find good in all things.
1: I love it. love it. Ooh, but we're solving, it. we're solving the world's problems right here at 10 Board o'clock in the morning. 30, we get
0: philosophical.
1: <laughs> so this last whiskey that we're going to taste, the old scout ride podcast finish.
0: Oh, um, the nose. Oh, wow.
1: This, this has become a favorite of the tasting room staff. So the way, the way this worked is um, we, we, we bought some barrels from Kelvin Cooperage. Kelvin brings in barrels from, you know, they, they have their own Cooperage, but they also make, they bring in barrels from other places. And they brought in some Australian Tony Port barrels and we just tried a couple of them. Oh gosh. I could, I guess it was, uh, we put them in there the fall of, I think the fall of 2021, 2020 and by December, I think it was December. By December, we knew they were great already. And we were like, holy cow, this is going to be a winner. I think we only tried like two barrels or four barrels. So we went ahead and ordered 10 or 12 more. In March of 2021, we re- I think it was when we released the first Old Scout Ride podcast finish. And it blew up in the tasting room everybody in the tasting room loved it i, I think there's a i think they have a little bit of a sweeter palate yeah, and some of the folks some of the people that are Ari and jill and um and some folks up there have a little bit of a sweeter palate and they love this whiskey and people who don't even drink a lot of whiskey at the distillery like our controller uh she was like oh my gosh this stuff is great and so we we knew we were on to something so we released the first batch yeah we released that first batch in the tasting room it blew up everybody loved it and then we had these other barrels that we had ordered. We got them in, I think we got them into the, got the whiskey into the barrel sometime in like uh, February or March. And then we released this in August or September into the market in a much bigger way. And that's what you're tasting. You're, you're tasting the first commercial release it's commercial, right? The first time we ever released it somewhere other than the tasting room is this whiskey right here. And it is, I love this whiskey. It's certainly not something that you're going to, I don't think you're going to have five drinks of this, Right. Sorry, that's that's promoting overconsumption. You're not going to have more. You're not going to have a lot of drinks over. This is like have one of these after dinner, have a couple of these drinks. They're just they're just sweet. It's long. It, it, it got so much of that. Oh, uh, I love this whiskey. Oh, my God. And you're
0: absolutely right. I could see this completely. And And when he says five drinks, we it's not to have five drinks it's to taste five different things uh, yeah, uh there's I, don't, like I, don't, a, I don't
1: really i don't mean to promote over consumption but it's like no 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 no! i know exactly what you, a, you mean you would drink a ton of this whiskey right because it's so it's sweet on the finish that's why i finished that's why we're ending with this one too but it,
0: it, it the complexity of it in that sweetness is good lord i, I it's sweet and savory it's sweet and savory obviously uh, uh, but you're right. I'm trying to figure out. I think you said it with uh, after dinner. I could see like eating a steak. Does that make sense? Like I could see yeah. this being the follow up to like a solid fricking protein.
1: Whatever it is about red wine that you just love so much to have with a with a really delicious steak, it That's has it some of that is. in there, right? Right. Um, and and I I just this works. And I know people have done this before, but again, we we'll do the we'll do the Pepsi Pepsi challenge with any of them. And and again, all, all of this whiskey, we couldn't be more excited about the feedback that we've had on these four on these four rye whiskeys over the last year. And and this rye, this port cast finish, is it, we're going to do in a very meaningful way now. So we're working on taking this up to be a certainly a smaller volume than. Uh, Than regular old Scott Rye, uh, the regular old Scott Rye single barrel or Contradiction Rye, but it won't it wouldn't be quite as limited as as it was in the, during the first release. I think I think the most places places got this stuff in and it lasted a couple of days.
0: I honestly I can't wait for my wife to try this. Her her palate is so pronounced when it comes to the sweeter finishes, and like I'm getting dark fruit, like the sweet from a dark fruit is is what I'm getting. And it is just so wonderful the way that it. I, I completely see why you picked this one to go last as well, because it is coating the palate.
1: It it really does. And and by the way, I, I think uh, well, well, women have more taste buds than men. So oh, her palate so much better than mine. They are. Women are are almost always the, the way I understand it is. Women more often than not have a they have a greater chance of becoming a, a super taster than a man does, right? They're just born with the ability to know what things taste like. They have more taste buds than uh, than men. So I wonder if that you know they they pick up they certainly probably pick up things that maybe we can't pick up. Maybe that's why maybe maybe that's why men need bolder bigger bolder spicier things because maybe with all their taste buds. But certainly certainly the women in the distillery are. Um, Whatever the right word is, they I think we have more of them there that can pick up the nuances of flavor more often than than others can. I mean, we we you know one of the great things about the business that we've learned is really cool is that um, like at Hiram Walker, which is one of the Pernod distilleries, they. When they do whiskey tastings, when they do whiskey profiling, they have people all over the business that can taste certain things. So there's a flaw in whiskey, a common flaw in whiskey, and they might have someone out of shipping and receiving that can pick that note up better than anybody else, but they might not be the best whiskey taster. And that's something that we've done, and and certainly I think I think in our distillery we have. yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be scientific or no, gender no. whatever. I just what, what, what we're what we experience. I think the women are better than the men as an overall category in that and I wonder if that's because they have more more taste buds, right? In in there. they're just Ooh. they're just naturally born with a skill that or or the ability that maybe that I don't have.
0: I agree with you 100% and I've never thought about that before in terms of that's why men tend to like the higher proof the higher spice because maybe that is um hitting hitting our like it's got to go that high to hit us in the same way that maybe something lighter would hit their palate
1: yeah Um, it's it's like it's like when you can you know when when they say these kids can hear certain right right, uh, right, 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 frequencies that uh, like as you get older you can't hear them anymore i wonder if You know, because we don't we don't, we don't, we're so dumbed down that we need to have a, we need to have something spicy. That's why we need all that Texas Pete, right? We need some spicy (laughs) stuff. I I don't know the answer to that, but uh, I would love to, I would love to have some research on that because, uh. Certainly, my wife has got an exceptional palate. She can smell something—I mean, crazy. So, if we have whiskey that we're concerned about, um, we really, you know, or we think that it might have a flaw. When it that maybe we're like, "Does this taste weird to you?" My wife is really great at the nose, not necessarily on the palate. Actually, on that one, and then we have a couple of people across the distillery that we think are better at certain things, and we take them to them and let them do these—you um, know—what triangle tests are. I do not. We're so we line up. We put three products. Um, and you have the triangle right? but three different products right. up there. And you find the one that is unique. And if you can consistently do that on a blind test, that's, that's the anomaly. And in a good way or a bad way, it, either one, you, you want to find the one that's out outsta- when it's outstanding. So maybe like, you've got something that you're concerned about, like, Hey, is this musty to you? Right. Or is this, sometimes it's just the, the greenness from the barrel Or you say, Hey, which one of these is really, so we think one of these is exceptional, which one, or if we're doing blending, we try to put those things into a, into a triangle test and say, which one of these tastes different than the others. Uh, we, we did one with contradiction rye, and that's one of the reasons that we sent these off to, um, to Nancy the nose. And as it turns out, you know, maybe that's the thing with Nancy is she's got more taste buds. She's also just exceptional and she's perfected her craft over the years. But, um, we, we, we try to do this triangle test so that we actually have not just said, Hey this tastes good. We right. actually have data that says these are people were are able or not able to point the, the outlier out of that group. We huh. spent a lot of time doing that. And we're working on a new program now um, that TX uses, right? Because of the Pernod network, the American whiskey portfolio, uh, Pernod, Jefferson's and rabbit hole are all in this and us are all in this group. And they use a product that helps you get significant, the, the data from that uh, to say, Hey, this is a significant outlier this was one that people were or were not able to point out. So we spent a lot of time doing that more than when we were beginning, where we were just going, Hey, this tastes delicious.
0: Right. right. <laughs> so yeah. well, you understand that you have to not only grow what you're producing, but grow your mindset.
1: Yep. That's right. And, and you know, right, like I said, whiskey takes a long time to perfect. So the fact that we're doing all of these things now uh, and making it much more scientific, much more data-driven than just being subjective, certainly is um, certainly important to us.
0: Well, you've got something to be proud of, uh, as I've been drinking smooth ambler for quite a while now, uh, there is a progression to what you guys are doing and, and what you're putting out keeps getting better and better. Uh, there's, when it comes to this show, uh, everything that, that hits everything, everybody that I reach out to are people that have been, others have vouched for and and smooth ambler is one where people have been trying, like, you gotta, you gotta call, you gotta, you gotta get in touch with these guys. Smooth ambler is somebody that you have to have on the show because everybody freaking loves what you're doing. And, and having tasted through four, it's exceptional when you can taste through four different pours and each of them have their own personality. So it, it's, it's been so good uh i i feel like me and you i don't know what your day looks like but i feel like this is a conversation you and i could just keep going for a while and those are my favorite kind i uh, love it i absolutely love it so it's 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 wonderful and the and the product that you're putting out is equally great we uh we we also did it correctly this morning we're tasting in the morning i don't know about you but my palate is completely clean Everything that we've been tasting, it's just straight from what we're tasting, and it's off. It's the only way to do it. I'm a huge fan of doing it this way, and everything's been so
1: good. I'm going to go work out in another hour, so we'll see how good I am we'll see how good I am after I've had a couple of tastes this morning, but certainly this is the time of the day to be drinking, right? Your palate is usually fresh. You're not fatigued from all of the, the you know, the sensory stuff that you've, mm-hmm. you've you've gone across, you've tasted or you've smelled all day long. Uh, and so this is the time we do. We do most of our tasting at the distillery in the morning, right? When we're doing tasting notes and scoring stuff at the distillery, most of the time that's done early in the morning.
0: Well, that's the way to do it for sure. Uh, and I'm I think I'm hitting the gym in about, an hour and a half. So I'll be right there with you. We'll, yeah, we'll, be, you we'll be sweating out the same pores. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, John, I feel like we only, I, I've already kept you an hour and a half. I feel like we have only scratched the surface on Smooth Ambler. We We talked about how you got started. We talked about how you have been creating the whiskey that you're creating. We didn't get to dive into how you got to market, so maybe you'll come back again and and we can talk some more about how you went from uh, where you were to where you are in terms I, I of uh, a market presence.
1: I'd love to tell you that story. You know, we, we think of that quite a bit. We're but we, we, we produce about 70 times the volume we do when we first started. That's why So there's a lot of there's a lot of story in there. We're tremendously happy for our success. Uh we think we do a lot of good in the community here in West Virginia. We think we we do a lot of good. Um in the, in the bourbon world, trying to be good, honest folks, and to be stewards of integrity, um, in the business. So I'd love to come on and tell you about that and just tell you what we think we, what we've learned. And, and of course, tell you all the mistakes that we've made. (laughs) That's, that's a longer story. I'm actually more interested to hear the mistakes because you
0: strike me as a guy that doesn't shy away from the mistakes and you understand you learn something from every mistake you make. Uh, comedy is very similar. I, 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 The parallels between comedy and whiskey have been one of the things that just like I think about it late at night. They're so they're there and they're not there Um, every time something doesn't work. You have two options. You can try it again and see if it's different next time, or you can figure out why it didn't work and change it so that the next time you do it, you get a different result. Com- uh, Whiskey is very similar in that regard. Uh, uh, the industries are very similar in that we take care of one another. Like, like you want your friends to succeed. You want a stranger to succeed because you know that the industry's better off by that person doing well. So, so, uh, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I love what you're doing at Smooth Ambler. Like the whole, the, I can't get enough of it.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I have a lot of really great lines that I've heard over the years that I, I think I'm going to put them into a little, a little book and just, uh, write them down. So I don't forget them. So my kids don't forget them. And one of the lines that I love to hear a lot, which is, uh, experience is what you get when you don't get what you wanted. <laughs> Oh, boom, <laughs> boom! A thousand so you're percent. Right. If, it, if it doesn't work, well, you know what you got. It's a really good experience.
0: That's right. And you'll learn yep. from it. And you'll do it better next time. That's right. That's a great. Thanks for note. having me on. Most definitely, I'm here, John.
1: Here anytime you want. Sorry it took us so long to get together. Glad we did. And look, hey, there's a really great event in Charlotte once a year. The uh, uh, Ken Bernardo puts on the oh yeah the, Charlotte. Alberta. You should you should come do that. It's a great event. It's normally right. happens like in November. Yep, uh, I love down Ken. South Charlotte.
0: I love all the things he's doing. Uh, We'll definitely, because you and I need to get together. Me, you and Scott, we need to go to the Crunkle Tim. We need to have a gigantic steak and we need to drink some whiskey.
1: Man, sweet talk me all you want. That's great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Let's talk again soon.
1: All right. Take care.
0: Take care. There you have it, guys. That is this week's episode. I want to thank John Little from Smooth Ambler for coming on the show. It was a great time getting to know him and drinking some good whiskey with him. And we appreciate your time. We really appreciate you coming on, sharing those delicious ryes with us. Everybody listening, I'm not blowing smoke here. You see Smooth Ambler on the shelf, you pick that up. You're not going to regret it. It is... It's all I've been drinking lately. Like people ask me, what do you drink? What's your day sipper? Lately, it's been Smooth Ambler. I can't get enough of it. The hard part is the cask strength that I've got is almost gone, so I, I, I'm gonna be in trouble here pretty soon. But it was absolutely delicious. I can't get enough, and I've been going through them one by one, uh, just kind of do it. Maybe some one night I did a flight, I brought some people over to the house, did a flight with all four of them, let them try them, and everybody's mind is like just blown. People People are loving it. Everybody I'm introducing it to is just loving it. So thank you, John, for coming on the show. It's been wonderful uh, uh, getting to know you and, and getting to know your whiskey. It's delicious stuff. Can you imagine what it it would have been like if him and I had met 25 years ago? Maybe if we were at the same party and we actually hit it off, who knows what could have happened. Maybe I, like, do you think it would be a good thing or a bad thing? Maybe I'm the reason he doesn't create Smooth Ambler. Maybe if we hung out back in the day, we're drinking too much whiskey and he never gets it together enough to get Smooth Ambler off the ground. Oh my God, that would be awful. So no time machine, no time machine for us. Just leave it the way it is. Everything happened the way it was supposed to and now he's producing these amazing spirits. So thank you, John, for being on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Engrave.com, for sponsoring this week's episode. If you go to Engrave.com, put Jesse Jones in the promotional code when you uh, when you check out, and you'll get 10% off. You can hear my voice. My voice is leaving me. That's how I've been on the road every day this week, people. Comedy at night, whiskey in the daytime, wrestling. I did a wrestling show a couple weeks ago. I'm just doing everything I've always wanted to do, and I'm having a damn good time doing it. So thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in next week. We've got more Bourbon Showdown podcast, but for right now, go hit like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on all the things. Go to Instagram. Do all of those good things. Then come back and see us next week. My name's Jesse Jones. Let's raise a glass and kick some ass. I'll see your ass down the road. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.